Section 3 of the Roman Empire of the Second Century by William Wolfe Capes. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 2 Trajan, AD 97 to 117, Part 2. A third work of the same kind was carried forward on the other coast in the harbor of Ancona and a grand triumphal arch built of enormous blocks of stone is left still standing to record the senate's grateful praises of the ruler who had spent so much out of his own purse to open italy and make the sea secure the isthmus of suez too was cared for in the interests of trade and the name of trajan which it bears in ptolemy points to the efforts of the monarch to carry out the needful works in connection with the granite quarries of the neighbouring claudian range in which inscriptions of the period are found nor was rome neglected while other lands were cared for the great aqueducts of the republic and the early empire were not now enough to content the citizens of rome and complaints were often heard that the streams of water brought in them from the hills far away were often turbid and impure and polluted by the carelessness of those who used them but now the various sources of supply were kept carefully distinct a lake was formed in and reserved for separate uses which the waters of the anio might stand and clear themselves after their headlong course over the rough mountain ground and besides these and the purer streams of the aqua marcia others were provided by the bounty of the present ruler and specially honoured with his name for nearly three hundred thousand roman paces the various aqueducts were carried on the long lines of countless arches and their vast remains still move the traveller's wonder as he sees them stretch from the city walls far into the campagna and perhaps even more as he comes here and there upon some stately fragment in the lonely valleys of the sabine hills the policy of the great statesmen of the augustan age the vanity and pomp of other rulers had filled the capital with great buildings destined for every variety of use but as if the supply was still too scanty fresh baths and porticoes and theatres were raised to speak to future ages of the sovereign who lived simply but built grandly for his own personal comfort it would seem no mason toiled and when the great circus was enlarged to hold some thousand more spectators the emperor's balcony was swept away and no projecting lines were left to interrupt the people's view pliny had once said of him in the formal eulogy of earlier days that his modesty of temper led him to preserve the old works rather than raise new ones and that the streets of rome at last had rest from the heavy loads of the contractors wagons and this was true perhaps of the first years of his reign it may have held good always of the wants of himself and of his family but it seems a curious contrast to the words in which after seeing trajan's name inscribed on one after another of the national monuments which he had raised constantine compared it to the parasitic herb which grew as a thing of course on every wall but in all this he was only following the imperial traditions and the only trace of novelty therein was doing so much without putting fresh burdens on his people another form of outlay showed a more original conception and the end and means in this case were both new in the middle of the eighteenth century some peasants near placentia piacenza 
turned up with a plough a bronze tablet which was no less than ten feet broad six feet high and six hundred pounds in weight it was soon broken into pieces some of which were sold as old metal to be melted down for bells but happily they caught the eyes of men who had scholarship enough to read the latin words engraved on them by their liberality and zeal the other fragments were brought up and the whole when pieced together brought to light one of the longest classical inscriptions yet discovered written in as many as six hundred and seventy lines it consists of mortgage deeds by which large sums were lent by the emperor on landed property throughout some districts near placentia the names of the several farms and owners and the various amounts were specified in great detail and the interest at five per cent was to be paid over to a fund for the maintenance of poor boys and girls whose number and pensions were defined fragments of a like inscription have been found since then at beneventum and we have reason to believe that throughout italy there were similar provisions for a measure which history speaks of in quite general terms in this there are several things that call for notice first as to the end proposed in rome itself there had been for two centuries a sort of poor law system by which many thousands of the citizens had received their monthly dole of corn no emperor had been rash enough to repeal this law though thoughtful statesmen mourned over the lazy able-bodied paupers crowded in the capital and the discouragement to industry abroad the custom in old times had grown out of no tenderness of charity but from the wish to keep the populace in good humour at the expense of the provincials who had to pay the cost and in later times it was kept up from fear of the riots that might follow if the stream ceased to flow but in all parts there were helpless orphans or children of the destitute and disabled to whom the world was hard and pitiless and for whom real charity was needed from these the actual government had nothing to hope nothing to fear and to care for these was to recognize a moral duty which had never been owned on a large scale by any ruler before trajan there was yet this further reason to make their claim more pressing in that it rested with the father's will to expose or rear the newborn babe infanticide was sadly common as hope and industry declined and good land was passing into desert from want of hands to till the soil there was no fear then that the increase of population should outrun the means of living but there was danger that the selfish or improvident should decline the cares of fatherhood hurry out of life again those whom they had called into the world or leave them to struggle at haphazard through the tender years of childhood as to the end therefore we may say that tender-heartedness was shown in caring for the young and helpless and also statesmanship in trying to rear more husbandmen to till the fields of italy the coins and monuments bring both of these aims before our eyes sometimes portraying trajan as raising from the ground women kneeling with their little ones at other times referring to the methods by which he had provided for the eternity of his dear italy as to means again we may note the measures taken to set on foot a lasting system payments from the treasury made by one ruler might have been withdrawn by his successor 
personal caprice or the pressure of other needs might cause the funds to be withheld and starve the charitable work the endowment therefore took the form of loans made to the landowners throughout the country and the interest was paid by them to a special bounty office for which commissioners were named each year to collect and to dispense the sums accruing there was also this advantage to the course that the landed interest gained by the new capital employed upon the soil while needful works brought to a standstill for the want of funds could be pushed forward with fresh vigour to multiply the resources of the country lastly we may be curious to know something more of the results the government had done so much that it might well have been expected that the work would be taken up by other hands and that kindly charities of the same sort would spread fast among the wealthy and some did copy the fashion set them from above pliny in his letters tells us how he acted in like spirit by saddling some estates with a rent charge which was always to be spent on the maintenance of poor boys and girls and we may still read an inscription in which the town of como gives him thanks for the kindly charity of his endowment his beneficence dates probably in its earliest form from nerva's reign but others seemingly began to follow the example of their rulers for the legal codes speak of it as a practice not uncommon and each of the three emperors who followed gave something to help on the cause in the interest more often of the girls than of the boys because perhaps they had been less cared for hitherto and at their birth roman fathers more often refused to bear the expense of rearing them but in the darker times that were presently in store later rulers found the treasury bankrupt and laid greedy hands upon the funds which for a century had helped so many through the years of helplessness and all notice of them vanishes at last from history in the strife and turmoil of the ages of decline the beneficence of former rulers we have seen took the questionable form of monthly doles of corn to the populace of rome to fill the granaries and stock the markets of the capital they had the tribute paid in kind by the great corn-bearing provinces they had bought up large quantities of grain and fixed an arbitrary scale of prices had forbidden the export of produce to any but italian ports and had watched over egypt with jealous care as the storehouse of the empire in which at first no roman noble might even land without a passport but trajan had the breadth of view to begin a more enlightened policy he trusted wholly to free trade to balance the supply and the demand declined to fix a legal maximum for what he bought and trusted the producers to bring the supplies in their own way to rome egypt itself was suffering from a dearth because the nile refused to rise but happily elsewhere the failure of her stores was lightly felt for thanks to the freedom of the carrying trade other rich countries stepped into her place and after keeping the markets of italy supplied even fed egypt with the surplus trajan's treatment of provincial interests showed the same large-minded policy a curious light is thrown upon the subject by the letters written to him by pliny while governor of bithynia and these are still left for us to read together with the emperor's replies first we may notice by their help how large a range of local freedom and self-government remained throughout the empire though in that distant province there were few citizens of the highest class and scarcely any municipia or colonies yet the currents of free civic life flowed strongly 
popular assemblies senates and elected magistrates managed the affairs of every petty town the richest men were proud to serve their countrymen in posts of honour and to spend largely of their means in the interest of all but these privileges though in some few cases guaranteed by special treaty dating from the times of conquest had commonly no legal safeguard to secure them they lasted on by sufferance only because the roman governors had neither will nor leisure to rule all the details of social life around them the latter had however large powers of interference subject only to appeal to rome and if they were passionate or venal they abused their power to gratify caprice or greed though often called to account for their misdeeds when their term of office had expired conscientious rulers also were tempted to meddle or dictate sometimes from the strong man's instinctive grasp of power sometimes from impatience of disorder and confusion or from a love of symmetry and uniformity of system and above all it seemed their duty to step in to prevent such waste or misuse of public funds as might burden future ages or dry the sources of the streams that fed the imperial treasury pliny was a talker and a student rather than a man of action and feeling the weight of power heavy he leant upon the emperor for support and guidance not content with referring to his judgment all grave questions he often wrote on things of very little moment prusa has an old and dirty bath may not the town enlarge it on a scale more worthy of the credit of the city and the splendour of your reign the aqueduct at nicomedia is in ruins though large sums have been wasted more than once upon the works as they really are in want of water would it not be well to see that they spend their money wisely and use up the old materials as far as they will go though for the rest bricks will be cheaper than hewn stone the theatre and gymnasium at nicaea have been very badly built ought not an architect to be employed to see if they can be repaired without throwing good money after bad nicomedia would like to enlarge the area of its market-place but an old half-ruined temple of the great goddess stops the way might it not be transferred to a new site as i can find nothing in the form of consecration to forbid it also there has been great havoc done by fire of late in the same city for the want of engines and men to work them would there be any danger in setting up a guild of firemen to meet like cases in the future if all due care is taken against possible abuses on some of these points indeed the emperor might wish to be consulted as they had to do with the power of the purse but he read with more impatience the requests that pliny made to him to have architects and surveyors sent from rome to carry out the works he reminded him that such artists were no specialty of italian growth but were trained more easily in greece and asia still more emphatic is the language in which he rebuked his minister's ill-timed zeal which would make light of the charters and traditions of the province he tells him that it might be convenient that it would not be seemly to force the town councillors as he wished to take up at interest on loan the public funds which were then lying idle that the old privilege of apamea to draw up its budget for itself without control must be respected anomaly as it might seem he had no wish for the mere sake of symmetry to set aside the variety of local usages as to the entrance fees paid on admission to the senates 
and in general he repeats that he will have no wanton meddling with any rights based on real charters or with any old established customs as we read the letters we admire the cautious self-restraint of trajan in refusing to allow smooth systems of centralized machinery to take the place of the motley aggregate of local usages but there are also to be noted some ominous tokens for the future if the gentle pliny while in office under trajan was tempted to propose despotic measures would not other ministers be likely to go further in that course with more favour from their master if the central government had such watchful care already for the revenues of every town would it not in time of need help itself freely to the funds which it had husbanded so jealously the answer to these questions would reveal in a later age two causes of the empire's slow decline the paralysis of the local energy which was displaced by centralized bureau and the exhaustion of a society overburdened by taxation great as were trajan's merits in the art of peace the world knew him chiefly as a soldier renewing after a century of disuse the imperial traditions of the early caesars the genius of julius the steady progress of the generals of augustus had carried the conquering arms of rome into new lands and pushed the frontiers forward till well-defined natural boundaries were reached since then there had been little effort to go onward and save in the case of britain no conquest of importance had been made the emperors had kept their generals to the border camps and had shown little taste for warlike enterprise even those who like vespasian had been trained as soldiers found the round of official work task all their energies at rome or feared the risk of a long absence in a far-off province trajan had other views it seemed to him perhaps that the machinery of central government was working smoothly and securely while his own warlike qualities were rusting away for want of use policy might whisper that an empire won by force must be maintained by constant drill and timely energy and that the spirit of the legions might grow faint if they were always cooped up in border camps in the dull routine of an inglorious service while the neighbouring races of the north were showing daily a bolder and more threatening front on the side of germany indeed there was for a while no pressing danger the hostile tribes were weakened by their internecine struggles and the germania of tacitus which was written early in this reign records in tones of cruel triumph the bloody feuds which had almost blotted from the book of nations the name of the once powerful bructeri but in the roman ranks themselves there had been license and disorder and trajan seems to have been sent by domitian to hold the chief command upon the rhine as a general who could be trusted to tighten the bands of discipline and secure the wavering loyalty of the legions one of their chiefs had lately risen in revolt against his master and the mutiny though soon put down had left behind it a smouldering discontent and restlessness in the temper of the soldiers the spirit of discipline had commonly declined at once when the highest posts were filled by weak and selfish generals and it needed a strong hand and a resolute will to check the evils of misrule he found work enough ready to his hand to last for years and even the tidings of his great rise in life and of the death of nerva did not tempt him for some time to leave his post of military duty 
he left some enduring traces of his organizing care in the towns and fortresses which he founded or restored and in the greater line of defence which he strengthened on the frontier on the site of the old camp or fort castra wetera which was stormed by the germans in the war of sixty seven he built the colony of ulpia traiana the name of which reappears in the curious form of the little troy in the early german poems and helped to give currency to the old fancy that the franks had come from troy while in a later age it changed to that of zanten ub sanctorum as the supposed scene of the great massacre of victor and his sainted followers by the theban legion among the other scenes which he chose for colonies or castles the most famous probably in later times was that of aquae baden-baden where many traces have been found of the legions which were serving under him and of the soldiers who probably were often glad to take the waters there like the invalids of later days but the greatest works on this side of the empire were carried on for the defence of the tithe grounds agri decumates between the danube and the rhine to which colonists had been invited from all parts of gaul with the offer of a free grant of lands subject only to the payment of a tenth as rent charge to the state this corner was the weak place in the roman border on the north and as such needed special lines for its defence drusus and tiberius had long ago begun to raise them and they were now pushed on with energy and continued by succeeding rulers the limes romanorum ran along for many a mile from one great river to another with wall and dyke and palisade and forts at short intervals to protect the works remains of them are still left here and there scarcely injured by the wreck of ages and are called in the peasants patois the devil's wall or heathen's dyke and many more fantastic names ages after trajan some of the defences of this country still bore his name in history as well as local fancy and witnessed to his energy and office and modern travellers have fancied though with little reason that ruins found near mainz belonged to a stone bridge built by him across the rhine on the same plan as the famous one upon the danube End of section three